You'll take your Bibles with me and turn with, uh, to the book of John, John chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 28 through 36, John chapter 11, verses 28 through 36, we'll read this responsibly, I'll read the, uh, I'll read the even verses, you'll read the odd verses, and we'll pause any punctuation as we read together, John 11, verse 28 through 36. Let's begin. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit, and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And let's pray. God, we do thank you so much for the word that you've given us, Lord. Thank you for the King James Bible that we get to read. Uh, Lord, we get to hear from. And Lord, I thank you for the man of God that you've given to us. Lord, I ask you, please, Holy Spirit, would you, uh, Lord, just testify with our spirits tonight. Lord, help us to know that we're your child. I ask you, please, help us to, uh, Lord, just have our hearts open, our minds open. And Lord, help us to receive something from your word this evening. Lord, we ask you, bless. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Keep your Bibles open. We have here the account of Lazarus and his death. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Lazarus was the brother of Mary who anointed Jesus' feet with oil and wiped it with her hair. Lazarus gets sick and they call for Jesus. They lived in Bethany just a few miles down the road. Jesus had been in Jerusalem while word came that he was sick. It was honestly... Only about an hour walk at most. But Jesus stayed in Jerusalem for four days. Lazarus died. After four days, he looked at his disciples and said, Come on, fellas, we're going to go see Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Lazarus is sleeping. They said, Well, if he's sleeping, why do you want to go wake him up? He said, I'm not talking about that kind of sleep. He's sleeping in death. They said, uh-oh. Lazarus died and Jesus goes to be with the family. He not only did not make it to be with them before he died, but Jesus didn't even show up for the funeral. They had already buried him. He was not so far away he could not make it. But he chose not to make it. Say, so that seems odd, preacher. Hang on. Can you see why Martha and Mary may have been a little upset with Jesus? 
before you get upset at how they responded, think through how they felt. Can you see how they could have been a little hurt that Jesus didn't show up? Didn't Jesus care enough to even be there? It wasn't so far that he couldn't have gotten there. You see, they saw a healing, but Jesus saw a resurrection. They only saw one thing that Jesus could have prevented, but Jesus said, I have something bigger in mind. John chapter 11, verse number 35. For some of you, it's the only Bible verse you've memorized. (laughs) Jesus wept. God made us in his image. I want you to listen carefully tonight. I'm going to share my heart with you in in a big way. God made us in his image. That means this. Do you realize you have the same emotions that God has? He wants us to be able to love him the way he loves us. He wants us to feel what he feels. He wants us to enjoy what he enjoys. Emotions are not bad. Letting emotion control you is what gets us in trouble. Say, well, preacher, I just have a quick temper. No, you just keep the, keep the wick right by the fire. You see, God says be angry and sin not. There are some things we're supposed to get angry about. Generally, it's not what we get angry about, but we're supposed to get angry. You see, <laughs> emotions... We have the very same emotions God has. Trouble is, we've tainted ours with sin. Jesus hurt for Lazarus' family. He wept. But Jesus did not let his emotions control him. I want you to notice something. Look at John chapter 11 again. Look at verse 33. When Jesus therefore saw her, what? Weeping. And the Jews also weeping, which came with her. He groaned in his spirit and was troubled. Verse 35. Jesus wept. He groaned when he saw people hurting. I hurt for people. Brother Jim, I I live a lot of my life with hurting people. I really do. I'll be honest with you, I don't like to cry. But I probably cry almost every day of my life. I do a lot of it. I heard my preacher, Brother Hiles, say, life is a veil of tears. The older I get, the more I understand that. I don't, you may not understand this. Recently, there was, 
several preachers that passed away. Just all of, There was three preachers that died in one day across America just about two weeks ago. One of which, honestly, I would not be his enemy, but you'll not hear me mention his name. Because it's not somebody I would promote. But I know preachers who love him. I know preachers, I know a pastor who helped with the man's funeral. I called that pastor and said, look, please know I'm praying for you. And I'm praying for that pastor and his family. I know what his church is going through. Please let them know somebody's praying for them. I've been where they are. It doesn't mean I'm going to invite them to come here and preach or I'm going to take us to a conference there or anything else, but I can hurt for somebody that's hurting, can't I? Isn't that called being a Christian gentleman? While I was at Mindy and Michael's church, their song director's uh, wife, she's in her 70s. I think it was uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. They took her to the hospital and she had a double aneurysm in her head. They were able to do surgery, and she's fine. She's taken uh, physical therapy today. God miraculously took care of her. But I've been getting updates from my daughter because I've been praying. I've met the lady two or three times, but I can hurt for him, can't I? You say, do you agree with everything? I don't know. I don't talk about that stuff. But I can hurt with people. There are days that I cry and I'm not sure I can cry any more tears. I don't know if you've ever been to the point where you've cried so much you can't get any more tears. But I've been there many a time. <laughs> this may sound strange to you, but I often feel guilty for laughing. As much as I cry, I try to laugh. You say, why? I go from crying to laughing. Back to crying. Back to laughing. It may be that I laugh so much because of so much sorrow that I get to be part of. I don't dwell in tears, but I visit it very often. I really do. When I do a funeral or a memorial service, there's tears, but there's also laughter. We experience all the emotions. When I did my own mother's funeral, we laughed a little. Well, we didn't mean we had a party, but my mama didn't want it sad. As a matter of fact, I've got it in her own handwriting in, my, in her Bible that she left me. I can show you her very own handwriting, what she said to me. And I don't even know when she wrote it. But she knew I'd look there. It's not all, life isn't all laughter, but life's not all tears either. I'm, if you'll give me a few minutes here. Christians in America today, we need to get back to tears. Well, real men don't cry. Well, what do you call Jesus? Jesus wept. 
didn't say he cried, it said he wept. There's a difference in crying and weeping. You see, unfortunately, the average Christian in America today is as emotionless as Siri is on your phone. Everybody doing okay? Got you right where you live, didn't I? By the way, I ain't letting no woman in my telephone tell me what to do in life. I married one woman and I paid one woman to nag me. And that those are the only two that get to do it. Amen. I am not about to let some uh, computer woman tell me what to do. <laughs> I have a schedule book. I keep my schedule book. I don't tell my phone what to tell me what to do. Everybody doing all right? Man, I'm having fun up here on the island all by myself. And y'all are convicted. Uh, the invitation's open. Amen. Yeah. Can I tell you something? Too many of us have about the same emotion Siri has, though. Between computers, social networking, electronic games, and Hollywood, people don't know how to cry. People don't understand how to cry. You have to understand something. I, I sat at the feet of Dr. Jack Hiles, the greatest pastor this side of Jesus Christ. I sat this close to him while he preached. 7,000 seat auditorium, jam-packed. Brother Scott, I don't know that I ever saw the man preach without a tear in his eye. Ever. I was close enough to see it. I want you to listen to me. We have allowed the technology to desensitize our love. How else could people video the beating of a person on the street instead of jumping in to help somebody? If you have the ability to put it on your camera, throw your stupid camera down and jump in and get, get the thing broke up. Oh, you'd rather be famous for putting your video on, on television. No, I'd rather get involved and help somebody from being hurt. We want to show it on the news, but not get involved to get our hands dirty. Christians, we need to learn what Jesus taught us, and we need to learn how to weep. People today look and see if they have 500 friends on Facebook, and that's a good thing. But where's the real love? Let me ask you a question. Of those 500 friends you have on Facebook, if you went off Facebook, how many would be really your friend and keep in contact with you? You see, you don't show friendliness or love or tenderness on social network. Social networking is dangerous. You only portray what you want people to know. By the way, that's all they're portraying too. It's a facade. It's fake. It really is. 
America needs to be brought to tears when Israel was attacked by Hamas I hurt I hurt for the innocent civilians in Palestine that are hurting tonight I really do I understand what Israel's doing and Israel is doing it right Say, what do you do? You go in and demolish the enemy. You don't let any of them stay. I'm tired of this. Well, somebody might get hurt. That's what war is, dum-dum. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you wept over someone else's pain? When's the last time you wept over somebody else's suffering? When's the last time you wept over somebody else's grief? When's the last time you hurt for somebody else's problems? When's the last time that you wept because someone was lost and wouldn't get saved? When's the last time you cried because sin was destroying somebody's life? Let me give you three thoughts and I'm done. Number one, tears come from a broken heart. Tears come from a broken heart. That's why it's easy to cry at a funeral, the death of a loved one. Our hearts are broken. But may I say, we ought not wait to weep at a funeral. Do me a favor. Don't cry at my funeral. Rejoice. I mean that. Some of you are really going to have a party. My secretary will for sure, amen? Uh, yeah, yeah, careful now. Yeah. yeah, just don't put me in, don't put me in the incinerator out there, amen? Don't serve me for lunch as ash. Wait a minute, can I tell you something? Don't cry for me, I'm already in heaven playing tag with the angels seeing Jesus and I'm, I'm going to be just fine. Can I tell you something? Uh, when somebody is saved and they die, it's, it's not a party time, but we ought not be so broke up about it. They're doing a whole lot better than we are. I hear this often. Well, I woke up on this side of the dirt. Well, waking up on the other side of the dirt wouldn't be too awful bad. Uh, people face difficult situations. I could go row by row and tell you difficulties in every, every family in this room tonight. I really could. I know what those things are. I know what those pressures are. You know, loved ones who have broken our hearts. An unmarried or a teenage child getting pregnant. Divorce. Drug issues, jail, all kinds of problems. I wish you knew some of the issues that families that are sitting beside you in this room face. And how I catch their tears. And how I hurt for them. You'll never know what your preacher does to protect you. You'll never know. There's times I protect you and nobody knows. But it's okay. 
Wait till you sit down. As I've done. And a mother of an adult child who was married and had two children. Her son-in-law murdered her daughter. Beat her with a hammer. Try catching those tears. You wait till you walk into the hospital and you have to take the body of a dead child out of a mom and daddy's arms and give it to the nurses to take to the morgue. As I've done too many times. You sit beside a young couple who've lost a baby in miscarriage. As I've done with my own children five times. You wait till your son-in-law's mother, 52 years old, has a hernia rupture and poisons her to the point where they have to pull the plug and she dies. And you're counseling the family, it's time. And you leave to go help them and are asked to preach the funeral for her. I know what it means to weep. I really do. Those are just some of the things I can tell you. You wait till you talk to the young couple like I have over the last couple days and they've been mistreated by one of the sets of parents and honestly, after Christmas... Literally, the parents said, well, we're just going to disown them. Been married a year. What a shame. You wait till you show up at a house knocking on doors and paramedics get there just ahead of you and you realize it's a bus family. I rushed to the door and told him who I was and mom's laying on the floor dead with a heart attack. Has a special needs son and three or four kids. And you have to go to the school and my wife and I went to the school and sat in the principal's office and explained to a special needs little boy mama wouldn't come at home. Had to explain to him that his mama had passed away. Had to catch the teenage boy before he launched into a fight with the police and the paramedics and got in his face and said, buddy, let me help you. It's the preacher. I know what it means to weep. May I say this as kindly and as pungently as I know how? A broken heart isn't that you didn't get the toy you wanted for Christmas. A broken heart isn't the fact that you don't have a new iPhone 15 or that you don't have a new car or that you didn't get the big raise that you wanted or you don't have the newest, fastest computer. You know, there's a real world out there with real heartaches 
Am I doing okay? We cry over the silliest of stupid things. Well, I didn't get what... You selfish little brat. I don't care if you're bigger than me. I mean real brokenheartedness. You wait till your child tells you they're a sodomite. As families in this room have faced. You wait till they turn on you. You'll find out what a real broken heart is. Tears are from a broken heart, number one. Two, two number two, tears are from regret. There are tears of regret. Luke chapter 22, just back a few pages from where we were, we have the story of Peter. Three times he denied Jesus. You know, this is the same Peter that in 50 days is going to preach Pentecost. But he denies the Lord three times. And in verse 62, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. The Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cockcrow thou should deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. A Baptist preacher cussing and swearing that he didn't even know who Jesus was. And all of a sudden the rooster crowed. And he said, I remember what Jesus said. And Jesus just turned and looked at him. Can you imagine the regret Peter had? It said, I don't know how true this is, but it said that when it came time for Peter to be killed, they did kill all of the other 11 apostles. But when Peter was killed, they were going to crucify him. And they asked, he asked that they crucify him upside down because he was not worthy to die the same way his Savior did. Tears of bitterness. Tears of regret. I don't intend this to be a harsh statement, but it is. You can't witness to somebody that's in a casket. You want your loved ones to get the gospel, you better get it to them before they die. One of our church members this last week said, Preacher, do you know of any good churches in this town? I gave him the name of a pastor that lived a town or two over and said, look, call him, tell him, I personally asked you to call him and I gave you his number. He said, I've got a family member who hates my guts, but I want to make sure before they die that they get the gospel. I told our church member, I'm proud of you. I don't mean this the wrong way, but you can't hug your kids and love on them and be close to your children after they're gone. You better love them while they're still with you. (laughs) Any of you that have adult children know what I'm talking about here. They don't do everything you want them to do. You're lucky if they do anything you want them to do. It's their life. But you can still love them. Everybody doing all right? I was so proud of my son Jeff for 
he flew down to Miami, spent four or five days with Josh and Ruth Ann, and flew up and spent some time with Mindy before my wife got there. And then my wife's aunt and uncle got there, and he went to the airport, and he surprised them. They came out of the gate, and he was right there at baggage, and they walked by, and he said, been a while since I'd seen them. I thought I recognized them. He said, I walked up and said, hey, and they turned around. It's Jeff. <laughs> Got there, and he was waiting on his mama. Big old tough boy. He'd like butter around her. I love watching a big old tough strong boy break anything in half and anybody in half. And yet he's hanging all over his mama. Say, does he do everything right? No, he's got my blood in him. But I was proud of him. I'm proud of him. I said it this morning. I got my grandson. It's only the third time I've gotten to see him. I got every hug I could possibly get in four and a half days. But can I tell you something? There's still people with broken hearts out there. Let me ask you a question. Who will be cast into hell and look at you as they're falling, saying, why didn't you tell me? When we had the opportunity. You know, you can't tell somebody laying in a casket you love them. It's too late. I've seen grown adults get on top of a dead body in a casket, begging that dead body to speak one last time, apologizing and sobbing in bitterness and regret. I've had to pull people out of a casket because of tears of regret. Young people, listen to me. Marrying the wrong person will give you tears of regret. Living in sin or living contrary to the Bible will bring you tears of regret. <laughs> but number three, there's also tears that bring joy. Psalm 126, 5 and 6, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen. You can have tears of joy. You really can. Do you know that tears soften the soil for soul winning? My wife's uncle Jacob, he's a bit of a tough guy. I love Jacob. He's about two and a half years older than I, but he's my wife's uncle. His father was murdered when he was 10 years old. His mother had already passed away. He was reared by his grandparents. His grandfather was a hard man. At 18, Jacob, 17, Jacob graduated from high school, joined the Marine Corps. He'll tell you the only family he really knew was the Marines. And he was a good Marine. He's a hardly riding tough man. Yes, sir. 
You'd like him, Scott. Now, wait a minute. When my wife's grandfather died, three months, three, four months after we got married, about five months, I guess, I went back and preached a funeral. I don't remember which funeral for which grandparent I preached, but Jacob finally one day got saved at one of those funerals. They've gone through some hard times. Several years ago, Janet went through a tough time, and honestly, I said, okay, I'll leave. I'll be on the next plane. I'll meet you in Minneapolis Airport. He said, no, 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 you don't have to. I said, I'll be there. If that's what you need, I'll be there. He said, hang on, Greg. He said, if I need you, I'll call you. I helped her, and I helped him. She was in the hospital and had a mental break, and she was dealing with stupid psychologists. And I said, you just tell them you're listening to your family counselor. He's a Baptist preacher, and you don't need their help. She said something to me while we were with them this week. She said, you know, as soon as I said Baptist preacher, they left the room. She said, you told me they were going to do that. She said, it's amazing how fast that chases people out. I said, yeah, they know they can't compete. Wait till you go through that and you're ready to walk out the door to go to the airport and they both walk over and your shirt starts getting wet from their tears. And one says, I'm here today because you saved my life. The other one's weeping, a tough old Marine, and he says, you and your church prayed and I'm still alive. God kept me alive because of you. Those are tears of joy. Joy needs opposition so that you can get to the joy. With no opposition, no joy is needed. No heartache, no joy needed. No brokenness, no joy needed. So maybe all that hardness isn't all that bad. Tears let others know. How much you care. The lack of them may tell people you don't care. Last Sunday morning I preached a pretty intense Christmas sermon. And I wept through part of that sermon. We had visitors here. One of those visitors on the way that I talked to this week they said been a long time since we saw a preacher preach that hard and cry at the same time I said yep I said it's real that's why I'm not preaching stories I'm preaching truth men our wives need us to be tender with them Oh, every once in a while, we have to be the strong one. I get it, but it's okay to cry. They may need it. They may. Why are we so afraid to cry? Seems like the only thing we cry about today is when we don't get the things we want or when we hurt. How about we learn to cry when somebody else hurts? Notice Jesus did not cry because he hurt. 
He cried because the people that he loved were hurting. And he showed them how much he loved by weeping. Because if you read verse 36, it says in verse 35, Jesus wept. And in verse 36, it says that they said, oh, how he loved them. Maybe people think you don't love because they've never seen your tears. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Where's our tears? The last time you wept for somebody other than yourself? When's the last time that you had a good cry for somebody other than yourself?